Welcome, good morning. It's great to be with you all uh, today. And I really trust that God will speak to hearts as you hear the word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would touch your people, that you would fill my heart and mind and mouth with your words for your people, that you would take the seed of your word and cause it to bear fruit in the hearts and in the lives of the listeners. I pray that you would do this. I pray that you would minister to every heart that needs to hear something of this word uh, that we're sharing, that I'm sharing today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today I'm going to be speaking. I think it's going to be a relatively short message on um, hope. And the title of my message is Hope Restored. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to minister hope to his people uh, right now. Hope Restored. That is the title of my message. And you know, we were driving back from Cape Town um, not so long ago, about a week ago, and we did the whole trip in a day. So we had a lot of opportunity just to listen to different audiobooks and stuff, you know, trying to keep ourselves, um, keep our minds engaged in something else than the trip, as you do when you're driving that far in a day. And one of the books that we happened to just start listening to, we listened to a few chapters before we moved on to something else, was a book by Max Lucado, and it was entitled, You'll Get Through This, You'll Get Through This. And as I was listening to it, I just knew that this theme was what God wanted uh, his people to hear. And uh, not particularly, not necessarily the book, but this theme, this theme um, which is emerging today. And so I want to share, you, share with you a quote that he shares a number of times at the outset of the book. He's sharing a, he's sharing a, a series of situations that he encountered with people going through difficulties and he said exactly the same thing to each and every one of them and I'm going to begin my message with this he says he said to a number of these people going through different types of challenging situations his response his counsel was this you'll get through this it won't be painless it won't be quick but God will use this mess for good in the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. I'm going to say it again. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick, but God will use this mess for good. Don't be in the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. And of course, I would like to add there that God will use this mess for good if you've prayed it so, because God works all things for the good of those. The context of that scripture in Romans 8 is the context of prayer. So when we've prayed it so, because God answers prayer. And so, yeah, I just, that this is, there's a specific group of people that I'm speaking to today. And, um, and yeah, I thought that, that that quote was really apt. You'll get through it. It might not be painless. It might not be quick. But God can and will use this mess if you pray, if you pray it so. And in the meantime, in between time, while you're waiting, don't be foolish, don't be naive, don't give up, don't lose your hope, um, and, but, and, and don't despair, because with God's help, you will get through this challenging situation if you are in a challenging situation. And I know you might say to me, but Tracy, you know, uh, it's the beginning of the year, you know, um, maybe you're pumped up, maybe you think you should be pumped up. 
Um, and, and so what is why? Why are you speaking about hope restored in the beginning of, 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 a, of a new year? Well, you know, many of us have entered the new year with renewed determination to fulfill goals, um, to chase dreams, to meet commitments. You know, um, there is a new vigor and energy in the air. There is. You can, you can feel it. The kids going back to school the other day, um, they're excited. Some people, you know, many kids are uh, maybe beginning a new school, beginning a new chapter in their school, uh, maybe transitioning to high school or transitioning into junior school. There's an excitement. Um, you can also feel it, you know, when you drive into the gym, a parking lot at, at, at peak hour times. I mean, you only have to try and find parking at those times to experience it. People have got a renewed commitment to gym, to being fit, to getting healthy. And, and, and you ask why? Why is it? Well, somehow it's easier to turn a new page and start again at the beginning of a year. Somehow it's easier to recommit at the beginning of the year. Somehow once we've paused, when we've reflected, when we've taken stock, of what is most important to us and we've recalibrated, we get this uh, renewed energy to begin again. And that's wonderful. And that's, you know, that's awesome. Um, and we want that. And it's a gift from God. Uh, we need to remember, of course, that we can actually do this every day as well. Not only every year, we can do it every day because God's mercies are new every day. But um, the reality is that even though we've entered a new year and we've got a new year to write, it's a whole new chapter in our book that we can write in the book of our lives. Um, it, it, even as this has happened, just as his mercies are new every morning, um, and but challenges fo follow us into today. So his mercies are new each day, but challenges still follow us into today. They may also follow us into tomorrow. So just because it's a new day with new mercies, the challenges don't evaporate. Um, just because um, it's we've got a new chance and a new day doesn't mean that the challenges from yesterday are gone. No. Um, in the same way, the challenges don't set, change the fact that his mercies are new each day. Um, but the mercies don't dissolve the challenges. And so it's this interesting um, sort of balance between the two. And it's the same as we enter a new year. Yes, it's an opportunity to reset, to refocus, to begin, to try again, to renew commitments, to set new goals, to explore new options, um, to, to have chase new challenges. And I'm a, I love... Uh, you know, chasing new challenges. It's an, it's an opportunity to do this. But, but at the same time, there's often, there are often challenges that follow us in from the previous year. Um, there may be difficulties that haven't evaporated with a change of date. There may be injuries that follow you in to the new year. There may be health challenges that follow us in. Um, there may be uh, heaviness that still weighs um, just as heavy as it did in at the end of 2021. There may be financial leanness, which is still as lean. In fact, maybe it's leaner at the beginning of this year than it was at the end of last year. The bank account, maybe that is well in need of you know, a lot of help. Maybe there's a relationship that's still floundering. Maybe there's a marriage that's still experiencing challenges. There's still children who are giving parents challenges. Maybe, maybe the job is still as challenging. The schoolwork just maybe actually got harder. You know, the family situation, maybe it's just as hard or harder. Um, 
and so on and so forth. Maybe there's a closed door that as you've come into the new year with hope, suddenly there's a closed door. Or maybe it's continued closed doors, repeated closed doors, and you just feel like giving up. Maybe it's a dream, a desire, a business that just seems to have died, something that just seems impossible right now. Maybe it's a loss or a death, an unanswered questions, or something that happened that you still can't understand. Maybe it's something like that that you found yourself faced with at the beginning of the new year. So although it's a new year with new opportunities and, and a brand new chapter to right yet there's still of some of these these things which have followed us or these things which have presented themselves before us right at the beginning of this new year and and if you can identify with any of these things if you can if you feel like sure something has just happened or something happened not so long ago and I'm still carrying it even though it's the beginning of the year and God, if you'd been there, it might not have happened. God, where were you when that happened? If you have some of those questions, then if you, and if you can identify with any of these things that I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning right now, then I, this message is for you. Then I want to speak to you today. I want to encourage you. And I want to trust God that there's some hope that is rekindled um, as you listen to this message, as you think about it and ponder this message, you know, um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes when you read in the, in the pages of the Bible, we, we discover that God actually has a lot to say to these types of people and to these types of situations when we find ourselves in these types of places. And there are many accounts in the Bible for us to draw from. You see, we aren't promised smooth sailing through this life. We aren't. We aren't promised that everything will go according to our plan. We aren't promised that we'll go from A to B to and B is the promise that God gave us. There's always going to be a journey. There's always going to be an in-between time. There's always going to be a meantime in between time. And, and so we need to grapple with these things and keep our hope even in the midst of difficulties. And I just want to encourage us that if Jesus was the Son of God and He had to endure the cross, for God's purposes to come to fruition. What makes us think that God's purposes in and through our lives will be plain sailing? We well, see we aren't guaranteed a smooth and pain-free life. That's just the reality. You know, we aren't guaranteed that everything will work out as we think it will. But there are some things that will help us in our storms. There are some things that we need to hold on to in the midst of our storm. There are some things, some spiritual qualities which God has given us maybe as weapons, maybe as, as armory, maybe as, you know, shield and, and sword and all of these different, different things. God has given them to us and the enemy can't take them away unless we lay them down. And so hope is one of those things that I'm wanting to speak to us about today because hope is so important for us as we go through difficult times, as we, as we have questions for God around what has happened or what is happening, as we find ourselves facing challenges, even and especially at the beginning of the year, we need to hold on to hope. And if we've lost hope, we need to trust God that He will restore hope to us um, at this time so that we can walk through this year and come out the other end in a better place than, than where we started. And right at the outset of this message, 
I'm going to go to an account in the book of John, John 11, and it's an account of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I want us to reflect on this particular account, and I'm going to go through it briefly. You can linger there in your personal Bible study time and trust the Holy Spirit to minister more to you. But I'm going to pick it up um, from the beginning of John 11. Um, and it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And then it goes on to say, And Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. And so the sisters Mary and Martha sent to Jesus and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Can you see the situation? Mary, who poured out her life in worship for the Lord. Martha, Mary and Martha, sisters, okay? Their brother is sick and their brother Lazarus is one whom Jesus loved. And so they send to Jesus and they say, come. I'm sure Mary was thinking, I have this close relationship with the Lord. I'm sure he's going to come. He loves Lazarus. I'm sure he's going to come. Martha was thinking, he loves Lazarus. He's going to come. Lazarus is really sick. I'm sure Jesus is going to come. He's going to come now because Lazarus needs help. Well, guess what Jesus said? When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but obviously Mary and Martha, I mean, I don't even know if they got that memo, if they got that message from the Lord. And Jesus knows that um, the sickness basically is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And it's, it goes on to say, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus loved all of them, okay? Remember, Mary was the one who poured herself out in worship before the Lord. And Jesus, it says, so Jesus, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he went immediately to go and help and solve the situation. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? It says, so when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He stayed two more days. Now, I'm sure that Mary and Martha did not understand why the Lord tarried, why he didn't pitch up to save, to save the situation. And maybe you find yourself in, 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 in that situation. You're like, Lord, I needed you. I need you right now. And I needed you. Why didn't you come two days ago? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come immediately? I pour out my life for you. I thought we were close. I thought we were tight. Why didn't you come? And guess what happened? When It says when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus already died, died. He's been buried for four days. And that is when Jesus rocks up. So can you imagine Mary and Martha, Lord, it's been four days that he's been dead. You know, why didn't you come earlier? Maybe you feel like this, Lord, this situation is overdue. If you were here, it wouldn't have happened. If you were here, you would have been able to do something about it. But now there's nothing you can do. Lord, if you really loved me, if you really appreciated my worship, if you really, I don't know what you say to the Lord or what you go through. Lord, if, 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 if you had, if you cared, if you were really here, 
then this wouldn't have happened. Then I wouldn't have lost my job. Then my marriage wouldn't have crumbled. Then my child wouldn't have rebelled. Then my bank account wouldn't be like this. Then I would have a job. Then my business wouldn't have gone under. Then this, then I would, whatever it may be. Lord, if you had really cared, if you really noticed me, if you really saw me, why? didn't you come? Why didn't you save the situation before it got this late, this bad? Because Lord, now it's too late. Because that's how Mary and Martha must have felt. They came to a place where they lost hope. They lost hope. And we're going to see this. It says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles away and many of the Jews had joined women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So Mary, Martha, lost their hope and everyone around them was agreeing with them, comforting them, consoling them. Yes, he's dead. Oh, we want to just comfort you. So everyone that was surrounding them was in agreement. Yes. Okay. We need to comfort these two ladies. You know, Lazarus has died. They didn't help with igniting hope at all. Okay. Then it says, um, then uh, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him and Mary remained in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. You know, you can almost hear in her heart this accusation. Why didn't you? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you come when we asked you to come? Why didn't you believe us? Why didn't you care? Why? You can hear their questions underlying that particular question, which he specifically asks them. Lord, if you had been here, you know, my brother would not have died. Okay, it's not a question. The statement that she made to him. And then when Mary comes, she fell down. At, she, when Mary comes, she falls down at his feet and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear a similar sort of rhetoric underlying theme in the statement that Mary makes. You know that the sisters have been talking because they say exactly the same thing. They're on the same page concerning Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. Lord, where were you? Why didn't you come? And maybe you can identify it. Uh, with that and I love Jesus response and we can see a lot about the heart of God toward them and also toward us in our situations from Jesus response it says therefore when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping he groaned in the spirit and was troubled he groaned in the spirit and was troubled he cared of course he cared okay and he said to her where have you laid him and they said, Lord, come and see. And here, after that, we have the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. He groaned. He was troubled. He wept. He did feel. He did care deeply. They, you know, sometimes we can't, um, we mustn't misunderstand God's lack of care by our interpretation of our circumstances and situations because we might not have the full picture. We probably don't have the full picture. We probably don't have the full understanding. And then the Jews interpreted Jesus weeping as he really loved Lazarus. They said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? I think they'd all been talking to Mary and Martha. If he was here, this would not have happened. They'd all been chatting. They had the same, the same understanding and interpretation of the situation. 
And it says, Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take the stone away. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, by this time, there's a stench for he's been dead four days. It's like she's reminding him what she already told him. He's been dead four days, you know. Um, and so Jesus said, um, did not I say to you that if, I, that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone and Jesus lifted his eyes and prayed. And when he'd finished his prayer, he cried out with a loud voice and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. This is taken from John 11. And I just find this so encouraging because there is no situation that is too far gone. There is no situation where you think, where I think God is so late that this situation is beyond help. It's beyond repair. The only time that it gets there is when we give up completely and turn our backs and walk away. Maybe we walk away from God. Maybe we walk away in unbelief. Or maybe we just let our hope go. But there is no situation that is too hard for God. And so I'm wanting to speak to us this uh, today. If you found yourself in one of those situations I mentioned at the start, I want you to reflect on the situation and think about it. Is it, is it as far gone as Lazarus was? Maybe it's not a resurrection of something that died. Maybe God wants to give you something new, something fresh, some, something better than what you thought. Something, something else. Maybe God will restore a situation. Maybe, maybe it's not his best plan, you know, that that happened, but God can restore. And so I'm wanting to speak to us today and say, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to your trust in God because God is able to do incredible things if we'll trust him. And I find it interesting that the psalmist in, in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, he's speaking to himself. And I think some of us could take some of these verses and, and challenge our own souls to do this. He speaks to himself a number of times and he says, Why are you so cast down, my soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, my salvation. I'm reading from the ESV again in Psalm 42 verse 11. He says the same thing. Why are you so cast down my soul? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so downhearted? Hope in God. I will yet praise him. My salvation and my God. Exactly the same thing in Psalm 43. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his heart. And sometimes when we lose our hope, we need to do that too. We need to do that too. We need to hold on to hope. Hold on to hope even if we're holding on by its coattails. Hold on to hope. Don't lose it. Don't let it go. You see, in Ezekiel 37 verse 11, um, the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. They, their hope was lost, and, and their bone, they said their, our bones are dry, there's no life. 
You know, there's no life. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. And, and you know what God got Ezekiel to do? He got Ezekiel to prophesy to those bones, to prophesy to the four winds. And out of that dry place with those dry bones where hope had been lost, a mighty army arose. And so as you look at your life today, maybe you're looking at it and you're seeing bones. Maybe you're looking at relationships, at finances, and you say, Oh Lord, these bones are dry. There's nothing left. There's absolutely nothing left. Lord, my hope is lost. Lord, I'm cut off. Maybe that's you. And maybe you need to stand up and start prophesying into these things that you see that there's some life that can come to the situation. And you know, there's something that happens to our hearts. There's something that happens to our minds, to our progress, to our attitudes, to our actions when we lose hope. And this is why it's so important that we hold on to hope, that we keep hope, that we guard our hope, that we cultivate our hope because hope is such a gift. It's a gift from God. And I'm going to look at a few more scriptures concerning this just to help us. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We need to keep our hope, God, our hope, because hope deferred makes us unwell, spiritually unwell. Amen. When we lose hope, we become more prone to depression, to sadness. We become prone to unbelief, to passivity. We become, we become prone to giving up and stopping fighting for what we believe and for what we want and for what we should fight for. You know, when we lose hope, we become, our energy gets sapped. We get sapped of our energy, our courage, our faith. These things evaporate as we lose our hope. You know, we, can, we feel defeated. We can end up feeling like, well, what is the use? What is the purpose anyway? And so if the enemy can rob us of hope, if we get to that point of losing hope, he's won a battle. The enemy can be like, cool, I've won over you. Let me move on to someone else. And so it's so important that we fight to keep our hope and that we hold on to our hope without losing it. I love what Psalm 31 verse 24 says. It says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. And so I love that because it's like, it, it speaks to me that I can just begin to hope in the Lord and pray and ask him to strengthen my heart and ask him to help me and have courage in that. And God will strengthen me in it and God will strengthen my heart and he'll help my hope to grow. Like when you blow oxygen onto a fire, God can do that. So we need to hold onto hope. And the second thing I'm wanting to encourage us regarding hope is that our hope is founded upon his word, always founded upon his word. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You see, he who promised is faithful. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promises. And as we look to him and as we trust in him and we trust in his word and we trust in his promises, you know, um, we're holding on, we're holding fast to the confession of our hope and we will see the faithfulness of the Lord to come through in terms of what he's promised. So we don't blindly just hope in anything. We don't blindly hope and say, oh, 
well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, repeating it over and over and hoping that we can hope. No, okay? We hope in his word. We hope in his promises. We hope in his faithfulness to his word. Psalm 18 verse 30 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. God's way is perfect. His promises prove true. His promises and his word is the thing that we can trust in because it will not fail. I love Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 11. The Lord is speaking and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your, thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is he saying? He's saying, you might not understand what I'm doing because my ways are not your ways. You might not know my thoughts concerning situations in your life, but my thoughts are not your thoughts. And then he goes on to say, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, some of us need to go back to those promises. Some of us need to go back to the word of God and say, Lord, this word that you gave me, this word, I'm sending it forth again from my mouth. You know, I'm going to send it forth from my mouth. Lord God, I thank you that it will not return to you void because it's your word that you sent forth initially. It will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you please and it will prosper in the thing for which you sent it. And my hope is in your word and my trust is in your word. And as we do that, we'll find that our hope and our faith start to get ignited. We're remembering the word of God. God's word never fails. Psalm 119 verse 81 says, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. What is the psalmist saying? My soul faints for your salvation. His soul was, in, was, was fainting for salvation. He wanted salvation, deliverance, whatever else he wanted. And he said, but in the midst of this situation where my soul is fainting for your salvation, I hope in your word. His hope was in God's word. And you see, that's what we need to build our hope on. And that's what we need to focus on if we're wanting to see our hope restored. If we're wanting to hold on to hope through difficult times and through challenging times. And the reality is that even if you say, you might say to me, well, this doesn't apply to me today. No, that's fine. I'm really happy. But keep it in mind because we all go through challenges. We all go through difficulties. And sometime you're going to need to hear this, this message. Sometime you're going to need to be encouraged to hold on to hope, to go back to the word of God, to trust again in God's word, to build up your faith and to build up your hope in God's word. And the third thing that I'm wanting to encourage us today is that hope is an anchor it's an anchor for us. It holds us firmly in place. In Hebrews 6 verse 19 to 20, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. 
this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. I want to encourage you, if you find yourself struggling in your soul, maybe it's with moodiness, maybe it's with depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression where you need medication. I'm talking about you feel you just feel depressed, you feel down, you feel heavy. Okay, I want to encourage you to hold on to hope, to hold on, to have hope as an anchor for your soul. Hope is a gift. Hope is a weapon. Hope is something that we can use to help us in challenging times. And hope is an anchor of the soul. It's sure and it's steadfast and we need it. And the context of the scripture is the certainty of the promises of God and the hope that we have because of this once again. So here again, we're seeing the word of God. The context of this next scripture is the certainty of the promises of God and the hope that we have because of this. And this next scripture I'm sharing is Colossians 1 verse 23. And Paul is speaking about the preeminence of Christ and how he's reconciled us to himself. And he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So he, Paul is encouraging them to continue in the faith, to remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, to not be moved away from their hope, the hope of the gospel, you know. So so we can we can cause ourselves, we can discipline ourselves to continue in the faith. We can discipline ourselves to be grounded and steadfast. We can discipline ourselves to not move away from the hope which we have in Christ Jesus because hope is an anchor. Hope is important for us. And so, so I'm encouraging us today to um, remember that hope is a stepping stone into faith. I'm also wanting to encourage us concerning this. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if there's no hope, there can be no faith. So we need to have hope in order to have faith. And we know that we can only please God when we walk in faith. Hope, we need hope in order to stand in faith. I want to ask you today, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Is there any hope that you've lost? What hope has the enemy robbed from you? Is there an area of your life where you need hope to be restored to your heart? What are your dreams? What are your dreams in general? What are your dreams for this year? Let's trust God for hope to be restored. Let's trust God that he'll breathe life into those dry bones and cause something to arise. I'm wanting to encourage us today that hope is a doorway to perfect peace and uncontainable joy. And peace and joy are spiritual weapons for us. They're spiritual dynamics. They are spiritual qualities that are so powerful in spiritual warfare, that are so powerful in our walk with God. And hope is a doorway for these things. In the Passion Translation, in Romans 15 verse 13, it says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Isn't that awesome? I love that scripture. 
In the New King James Version, it says, Now may the God of hope, you see, God is a God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We need hope to believe. May he fill us with joy and peace that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Very powerful. That's what we're going to pray at the end of this message. You see, so, so hope is a doorway to perfect peace and uncontainable joy. And you see, peace is important. One of the important things about peace is that it guards our hearts and our minds. It keeps our hearts and our minds. And God is the one who can keep us in perfect peace as we set our hearts and minds upon him, as we set our hearts and minds upon his word, Okay, but peace guards our hearts and minds. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So God's peace, God as in G-O-D, God's peace guards our hearts and minds. So we need peace. It's a God. It's a God over our hearts. It's a God over our minds. I was, as I was thinking about this earlier, I was imagining this house being built up and um, with the doorway, this doorway of hope and this big God, this big sentry outside, standing outside this house called peace because he, peace guards us. And it's important for us to remember this and Joy gives us strength. So peace and joy, which are there with hope very often and come with hope very often. Joy gives us strength. So hope helps us to walk on with peace and to have the strength to finish strong. And it helps us to walk in joy. And it's the joy that helps us to give that helps to give us strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, and Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Very powerful. When we're joyful, it's a spiritual quality that helps us to persevere. It gives us strength. And I love what Isaiah 55 verse 12 says. It says, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and trees of the field shall clap their hands. If you are in a situation right now, maybe God is waiting for you to be filled and strengthened with joy, to have your peace standing God over your heart and mind. When you gain victory over the challenges and you pass your tests in this current situation, maybe it's at that point that the Lord is going to say, okay, you've passed. Now you can go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Proceed to your next level in me. Amen. And, you know, in closing, I just want to share a couple of examples of how hope can impact our lives on a practical level. And um, the first example is something that happened to me yesterday. Um, we usually cycle in the evening on a Tuesdays and we go to this particular place, the Fort Tracker Monument, to, to do our cycle in the evenings. We do intervals up there. It's nice hills and so on and so forth. And so at about three in the afternoon, these big clouds rolled in and it started to pour down with rain. 
But as I was looking at the clouds, I could see that they were moving quite quickly. And I really hoped that by the time five o'clock came and it was time to go and cycle, they would have, they would have passed by and I would have at least be able to go and cycle. And I noticed on our training group that a number of people started to comment saying, commenting, being sounding very sad that the rain had come and now there was going to be no outdoor cycling. They were relegated to cycling on trainers indoors and they were sad. And I just, something just rose in me and I said, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. We may yet get to cycle outdoors. You know, the, the, the clouds are moving quite quickly. And the, the facts all pointed, the facts showed that the storm was going to be around for quite a while. Um, but I, you know, I didn't have another, I, I, I wasn't going to go to the gym and cycle on a trainer at the gym and I wasn't, I don't have my indoor trainer anymore. So it was, it was cycling outdoors or nothing for me. And to be honest, as I looked outside, I thought, no, I think, I think it will be okay. And the roads might be wet, but I'll go on my mountain bike. And even if it's drizzling a little bit, I don't mind riding in a little bit of drizzle. And so off I went. So, so and anyway, the cycle, the cycle was canceled um, by the end of the afternoon, you know, um, but I went anyway, and there were a couple of other people who also decided to just go and try. And guess what? It was perfect. The roads were wet. Yes, they were a bit wet, but there was no rain. The sky was clear. The storm had gone. And so I got to cycle outside and have an amazing cycle. It was awesome. And there were some other people who also made it. They also decided to try. But why? How did I get? That was such a blessing. But how did I get to experience that blessing? I got to experience it because I chose hope. Now, there's nothing wrong with others doing what they did. Maybe they don't, you know, for them, it was, it was an odd choice at the end of the day. Maybe it was also easier. Maybe they didn't want to risk getting sick or flu or having flu. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is that I had a hope that it would be okay. And guess what? I got to experience the blessing of cycling there because there was hope. What am I saying? I'm saying that hope helps us to position ourselves right for what God wants to bless us with. It helps us to position ourselves in a, in a situation where God can break through and give us the desires of our heart. That's what hope does. You know, another example, which is a slightly different example, but a similar point. Um, it's a soccer example. And I have shared it before, I think, in one or some of my messages. But I'm going to share it again because it illustrates the point beautifully. One of my sons was playing in the soccer match and he was playing a forward. And um, at a certain point, one of the wings got, he was playing center forward, cent central um, striker. And one of the, the wings got the ball and I could see him. He just like stopped running up the field. They were quite far back near the opposition's goals. And so they needed to run up in order to score. But I could see he just, his shoulders just went down. I could see he didn't really believe that this guy was going to pass to him. He didn't believe that it, they were actually going to do it. And so he just, his shoulders went down and he just slowed right down to a trot and then a walk. And I'm like, I called his name out and I said, run up, run up, you know, basically go up, get into position, get into, you know, get into place, get into position because you can score. But he, he didn't. He was, what had happened? He'd lost heart. He'd lost hope. He didn't believe that it could happen. And so did he score a goal? No. Did the other guy score a goal? The, the other winger with the ball, did he score a goal? No, he didn't. Why? Because this particular son of ours he didn't have hope. So he wasn't positioned aright 
to provide an opportunity for the goal. And so I, I just, the Holy Spirit actually spoke to me there and then and said, you see, Trace, hope and belief help you position yourself aright for what God wants to do next. If you trust in God, if you need a breakthrough, hope and belief will help you position yourself aright for the breakthrough. It helps to position you in a place where you can actually receive and be a part of that breakthrough. If we don't hope, we end up not positioning ourselves where we should be and we end up losing out on the very thing that we want because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of our unbelief in our hearts. And so... Um, today I'm really trusting and I'm praying for us that the God of hope will fill us with all joy and all peace in believing and that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today if you need your hope restored, if you say, you know what, I want hope restored. I want to hope at another level. I know I might not understand where I am or why I'm here or what God is doing or why God is coming late or why he came late or why this is happening. But I want hope. I want to encourage you concerning this. Get hope. It's the first thing that you need in order to move forward in your situation. And if you need hope restored, we're going to pray right now. And we're going to trust that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace. That you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And even as we do this and we pray for his hope to come, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to dig into his word. I want to encourage you to trust in his word. His word is the anchor that holds us. It's the substance of what we hope in. It's the foundation we build our lives upon. It's the thing that feeds our faith. It's the thing that feeds our belief. It's the thing that, hope, that helps to keep our hope alive. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today that you are the God of all hope. You are God of hope. It's part of who you are, Lord. And we are made in your image. You designed us to carry hope. You designed us to walk in faith. We can't walk in faith without hope. And Father, we bring our hearts and our lives and our brothers and sisters in Christ who are listening to this message before you today. And Father, we're crying out that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would restore hope. You would reignite hope. You would fan into into flame, any hope um, fires that may be dwindling, that may be dying, any embers that, have di that are dying out, Lord, may you fan these into flame. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring to remembrance the words, the promises that you've spoken over us, that you would help us to meditate on your truth, to meditate on the things you're saying to us, to dig deep into your word, to trust in you, and to trust in your word, even as we go into this year. And so, Father, wherever we find ourselves at this point in the year, in our situations, Lord God, wherever it may be, we pray that this year would be a year of hope. It would be a year of hope restored. And we thank you, Lord God, that whatever we find ourselves walking through, even as Max Lucado said, that we will get through this. This we will get through. And I'm going to close with what Max Lucado said, what I, the quote that I shared at the very start um, where he says, 
uh, at the beginning of his book where he says this. I want to encourage us, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick necessarily. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. But don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. Amen.